Point out the colors in you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk Radio. On tonight's episode of More information is learned regarding Tupac's studio shooting. Faison Love has big shit to say regarding Dave Chappelle's comedic skills. And DJ Khaled's brother-in-law was sadly murdered. What's good, you guys? It's your host, Angel Vandrina. Hey, Jen, what's going on with you this evening? You know, nigga, at the crib lip, being ugly. (laughs) What you been doing? Are you ready? And your birthday's in a couple weeks? You ready for the trip? Are you all packed? Like, what's going on with that? Well, you know I'm a last minute Susie, like a motherfucker. I, <laughs> I have not looked into anything as far as like what we're doing. All I know is, you know, where we're we going. We're going to Vegas. I'm excited about that. Um, and you know, I, I'm just okay with being able to just chill and you know. But of course, I want to enjoy myself too. I do want to do some touristy stuff, you know, check out, you know, some spots, maybe go see a show, you know, be a little ugly, eat some good food, and yes. that's, that's it. Um, what about you? What's been going on with you, though? Nothing much. <laughs> I mean, every time I feel like everybody asks me what's been going on with me, my answer is always the same because I'm just a consistent individual. I don't do anything but go to work and come home work out, get my son from school, do some school work, go to bed. But it's so consistent every day. So except Thursdays when we do the podcast. Oh, but I have been, okay, I got, I got something good. I've been doing Bible studies, um, you know, one night a week for the last couple weeks now. And it's been feeling really good. I have been caught up in some of the scripture that I've been listening to. And it got me feeling some type of way, you know. It's it's just really deep, and it's making me really want to be, like, more humble, you know, just, like, you know, pump your brakes with everything. Just be more humble. Don't let little things get to you. Smile and keep it moving and be yourself, like, and that's what I've been just trying to do. So it's been deep. It's making me feel good. So, yeah, I think that's that's what's new that's going on. But other than that, everything else has been pretty smooth. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, y'all, we got a whole lot to talk about today. A whole lot. lot. But but, um, before we get started, don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Tumblr, SoundCloud, and, of course, this podcast from Blog Talk. Send us your confessions at confession the number 2 us at gmail.com. Like, comment, rate, and subscribe. And let us know what topics you like for us to discuss. Tag us in that drama. Jeanne. Before we uh, get started, would you like to go ahead and read the question of the day? Absolutely. 
Confession question of the day again. Confession question. If you had information you knew could set someone free from any situation, jail, being fired, negative image on their name, etc., due to someone close to you lying on them, what would you do? Again, if you had information you know could set someone free from any situation, jail, being fired, negative image um, on their name, due to someone close to them, someone close to you lying, what would you do? Let's get into those confessionals. Okay, guys. So the brother of the woman who is planning to marry DJ Khaled, um, DJ Khaled's fiance, her brother was shot to death in a Bronx apartment, the Daily News has learned. Jonathan Tuck is the younger sibling of Nicole Tuck, the All I Can Do Is Win artist fiance. So... DJ's Cal's fiance's brother, in other words. Um, this is what was reported happened. He was trying to buy marijuana, and someone shot him in the face at around 9.15 p.m. one Sunday in a Belmont apartment less than a half a mile from his the home. And all of this was reported by the cops, and Tuck, he was 25 years old. He died at a hospital, um, Bar- Barnabas Hospital, and cops, they believe that Tuck was shot in a second-floor apartment on the Washington Avenue near East 185th Street. Um, it's also believed that he kind of argued with the attacker before the shooting happened, but it's not clear if all of this stems from the um, pot deal or if they had some beef prior to. Um, a man named Brandon Davis said he's a good guy. Davis is 30 years old. He said he known Tuck for seven years. Um, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and there was no reason for him to be there, is what he also mentioned. DJ Khaled was in Minneapolis for the Super Bowl when Tuck was killed, according to social media posts. Um, and the police said that Nicole Tuck and her mother rushed to the Bronx after learning about the shooting. Nicole did not return any of the messages um, seeking comments or representation for what happened. And DJ Khaled obviously declined to comment on Tuesday. Family and friends crowded around his apartment Monday night to mourn his death. Um, he was a good man. He leaves a daughter behind. He was working overnight stock in New Jersey, said one friend of the family who wouldn't give his name. Um, we're hurting. We're grieving. We're devastated. Police took a, 20, a 34-year-old man into custody for questioning on Sunday, but as of Tuesday night, no one was charged with Tuck's murder. Davis, the godfather of Tuck's one-year-old daughter, said that his family deserves to know what happened in the Bronx apartment. He was my friend. I love that guy. I argued with him. I bled with him. We've talked, prayed, and cried. That the good and the bad. That's my family. David said. I just want to know what happened and what's this about. His mother deserves that. His father, his sister, his daughter deserves that. I hope they find the answers. Very sad. Very sad. Oh, really sad. That's uh, you know, and it's always like hard to see someone who is, like, on the rise, um, suffer from, you know, other situations, you know, prayers for the family, because it's not just about DJ Khaled, you know, but DJ Khaled, he's been having the hell of the past couple of years, Um, but, man, like, you at the Super Bowl, chilling, having a good time, you know what I'm saying, probably have one of those life moments where you're just like, wow, I can't believe I'm really doing this, and then you find out... (laughs) Oh, you know your brother. Like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not that, it's not a funny situation. It's just funny that because I'm I'm sure that's exactly what's going on. Like, yeah, life is 
man, I can't believe this is my life right now. Like, I ain't never think I was going to do this, you know, when I was yeah. younger. And it's just, you know, like, you know, your brother just died. Like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? And it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's so unfortunate, it's so sad, and it's so yeah. serious. And exactly. It's, it's, you know, a uh, uh, life lesson. You know, when sometimes, I don't know if they knew who he was and, you know, who he was related to, but it's just like when you become a certain person or, you know, of a certain stature, you have to move a little differently, you know. And, you know, not blaming on him because I'm sure he didn't know going into the situation. Obviously just trying to buy weed that it was going to turn out to be, you know, ultimately his demise, but, right, you know, right. you know, sure with him being DJ Khaled's brother-in-law, that would have made, I mean, that would have given me some sort of bragging rights, you know what I'm saying? I, and I feel like, not even to brag, but I'm sure people will already have known. So it's just like you, you got to kind of relax, you know, maybe make, have other people make moves for you and stuff like that. I don't know the situation. I do, no, I hear I, you, definitely, yeah. I do hope that the family does find some sort of, like, solace and outcome, actually know the truth of what happened. You know, it doesn't matter if we know, but, you know, as long as they end up knowing the, the final the situation, they're ultimately just prayers to the family, man. That's just scary. Like, you're just trying to buy weed out here trying to kill you? Like, weed? Like, you know what I'm saying? I can understand some other shit, but it's just like weed, though? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on? What did you take from this? Exactly. It was just horrible. I'm like, wow, this is just a just a panicking type of situation. Like, what was he thinking? I'm sure at the age of 25, he's just thinking he's doing something that he normally do, you know, and something crazy like this happened. And then the family, you know, they all going through it. Like you said, it's not about DJ Khaled, but, you know, his wife is, or his fiance is, you know, his sister. So, you know, I knew. I mean, you don't have to be there or a little brother has died. You know what I'm saying? So this is definitely going to make them stronger, I feel like, you know. And I hope that prayers to the family, I hope everybody, like you said, they find the answers that they're looking for. And it's just sad, you know. you got to just be careful out here. You know, never trust anybody too much. I agree completely. And that's it. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic. Absolutely. Next topic, social media reaction to what many describe as European features on a reconstruction of a mummy believed to be Egyptian queen Nefertiti. Nefertiti has led to the accusations of historical whitewashing. The face of Nefertiti, who may have been the biological mother of King Tutankhamun, is the latest to have been recreated thanks to 3D imaging technology. Uh, Remarkable advancements in forensic imaging suggest it may be. The mummy known for years as a younger lady was found in 1898 and is about 3,400 years old, but her identity has never been confirmed. As technology has grown over the centuries since her discovery, so has interest in what Egypt's ancient royalty, Paleonartist Elizabeth Danes, worked for 500 hours reconstructing the face of the younger lady. And Travel Channel host John Gates says he's confident she's Nefertiti. But all experts aren't sold. 
The University of Chicago is home to the Oriental Institute, a world-renowned showcase for the history, art, and archaeology of the ancient Near East. The museum displays objects recovered by Oriental Institute, excavations, and permanent galleries devoted to ancient Egypt, Nubia, Persia, Mesopotamia, Syria, Antolia, and the ancient site of Megiddo, as well as rotated special exhibits. Um, Raymond Johnson, director of the Epigraphic Survey Project and Research Associate and Associate Professor at the University of Chicago, the New East Eastern Languages and Civilization sorry, Department, weighed in with great detail about the recent discovery and what they may mean to our understanding of King Tut's family. Regarding the forensic facial reconstruction of the mummy of the younger lady, the head question um, the head in question is a beautiful job of forensic reconstruction by Elizabeth Danes, and the artist has done science a great service. The mummy of the younger lady has evoked a lot of speculation since it was founded in 1898 in a side chamber of Amenhotep's number two royal tomb, KV35, in the Valley of the Kings with two other despoiled mummies and <clears> – <throat> Sorry, you guys, this, this is a lot of information. Two other spoiled mummies and a cachet of buried kings in the main burial chamber. Thutmosis IV and Menhotep III, Meripshtah, Sadi II, Septah, Stanknak, and Ramses IV, V, and the Sixth. The second female mummy found in the side chamber referred to as the elder lady has been identified as the Mummy of Queen Tai, great royal wife of Amenhotep III, based on a matching lock of her hair found in Tukin's home tomb and recent DNA analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking this way, A third mummy found in the chamber of a young prince with a side lock might be Akin. Akin Nathan's older brother, Stop Moses, who predeceased Akin Nathan. The younger lady is the mummy that Joanne Fletcher used to identify as Nefertiti's, an idea that Zahi Hawaz vigorously refuted. Zahi's DNA testing of the royal mummies a few years ago, including the younger and the older ladies, indicated that the mummy of the younger lady was Tulkan Human's mother, and to everyone's surprise, that she is also a daughter of Amenhotep III in Thai. It would have been clearly stated in her inscriptions, and there are hundreds with no mention of her parents. It has been suggested that she was a daughter of A, one of Akin, Akin Nathan, and two Ken Kuman's high court um, officials, a military man who took the crown after two Ken Kuman's early death. A's title, God's Father, could refer to his relationship with Nefertiti, who as queen could never reclaim a non-royal as her father. If the genetic analysis is correct and the mummy of the younger lady is the mother of Tukin Human and daughter of Amenhotep III and Queen Tai, then this mummy cannot be Nefertiti. Numerous sculptures and reliefs survived of Nefertiti who ruled as queen and then as king with her husband, including many portraits from the end of the Armana period when the art style 
favor a naturalism that borders on true portrait, uh, portraiture, there are elements common to all of these later representations of Nefertiti. A straight nose, heavy-lidded eyes, long, graceful neck, and a strong, square jaw. The forensically reconstructed face with its narrow skull, deep-set eyes, and a triangular um and a triangular. <laughs> this is so much. This is, I'm all over the place right now. Anyways, um, jaw is beautiful, but in no way resembles the portraits that survive of Nefertiti. That said, they could be relatives. One must remember that Queen Ty and A were siblings, and Nefertiti's father was indeed A. She and the younger lady would have been cousins. Finally, is the issue of race and skin tone of the reconstructed princess. From the beginning of human history, Egypt was the gateway out of African continent, but was also the main route back in. The population was always a mix of European and African races and the Egyptian court and royal harem. Reflected this, Anantopus, many wives include foreign wives from countries all around Egypt and the Mediterranean, including Caucasians, but he was certainly of mixed blood, as was, as was Queen Ty. We can never know for sure what the skin color of this princess might have been, but as the child of Amenhotep III and Ty, she was undoubtedly not pure Caucasian. A brown skin color would have probably uh, been more true to the individual represented to her times. That said, it is moving to see the features of this remarkable woman whose identity has been debated ever since her discovery in 1898. Whoever she was, and in my opinion her name is still in question, he was a major player in the Amana period. As Tukin human scholar Marion Eden Cross has noted, Tukin human never mentioned his mother in any inscription because she was deceased before he took the throne. We know the names of Amy Hotep's third daughters are Sisimul, Nebitah, Isis, Tinev, Chanev, Bakintantin, and we know there were many more. Perhaps in time we will be able to restore one of those names to this body whose face has been so vividly and beautifully recreated here. Wow, that was a, a, a whole lot of information. Well, a lot of information. Um, yeah, I, I agree with the article um, almost 100% because there this was definitely an issue. Um Especially explaining the background, like you look at this woman and she definitely, and it's it's about you know the skin tone, but also the facial features and it's not, it's just not adding up. And then the way that they're saying that they came up with this, like, eh. but it's also unclear too because you still don't know, you know. So it's just it's interesting, but a lot of people they feel like you know we're being whitewashed or you know like. Just a whole bunch of stuff from what I'm seeing all on Instagram and Twitter. So it's crazy. I just, I don't know. I don't really know what to think about it. What was your take on it? Um, Obviously, I did not. When I first saw the article on um, Instagram, I think it was posted by the shade room automatically. I was just like, come on now, seriously, with this bullshit. <laughs> Like, the guy, he was so excited about it. But it's like, I know, I know. Like, what is going on here? And this is the thing. I can accept that, you know, of that time, whoever reigned in Egypt being of mixed race, because that does make sense. You know, you do have sub-Saharan Africa, and you also have Egypt, which 
ultimately was the gateway, and, and Arabs migrated there, and you had Africans migrate there. I mean, sub there Africans that migrated there. But Africa was a black country, and I, and I have a hard time believing of that time of 3,000 years ago that it was not. That, I mean, it's also been proven that it, the, um, the first people of Britain, which is now definitely a white country, were black. You know what I'm saying? So it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. But I ultimately feel like white people just have a hard time of basically knowing that a, a black monarchy worthy rulers, you know, and created all, the, you know, all the riches and all the gold and had this huge dynasty. That's, that to me, that's what I take from it. You know, I think they have a hard time believing that we could be of such influence and of such power, you know, but I thought like when I, when I saw that, I was just like, come on, you know, it's, it's nothing new. It's what they've been doing, trying to rewrite history, you know, and ultimately they need more genealogists and archaeologists and the people that do do the facial reconstructions of a more diverse staff. You know, obviously if you do have a group of white people, you know, what do you expect right. for them? Like, oh, okay, this does what this, I would say this is more a pointy nose like mine. Slim, <laughs> you know, and like the guy was, he was refuting it because he was like clearly of that time if she was mixed race, which she probably was not. But if she was of mixed race, she would at least have brown skin. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, you do see mixed race people. Mixed race people have to be sometimes. Yeah. This clearly was like a white woman. They were trying to make Nefertiti look like a white woman, who we all mm-hmm. knew was black. You know what I'm saying? And they did the same shit with King Tut, you know, um, when they had, like, the whole recreation. And to me, King Tut, he didn't look white. You know what I'm saying? He looked more like... Polynesian or Asian, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was some sort of, like, you know, maybe mixed race. But it's just, like, clearly with her, it was just, like, come on. Like, no, this is this is bullshit. I will not mm-hmm. stand for this. Nobody's here for, for none of that. And the dude that was, like, introduced me was so excited. Like, and he was, like, jumping and shit. Right. Bouncing around. Like, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. But I digress. Yeah, it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. But I, I think you got a really, I think you got a really great point. So, but anyways, guys, you're gonna go ahead and move on to the next topic. So, according to Celebrity Insider, CelebrityInsider.org, the Super Bowl has been over for a couple of days now, but. Wendy Williams is acting like a savage, and she can't stop herself from slamming Justin Timberlake's show this year. Um, the show, the talk show host talked about how he's like a, a baby, and he's being affected by backlash, while also never addressing the nipplegate when he pulled Jenna Jackson's, you know, her her titty out of her shirt. So anyway, she criticized she criticized Justin Timberlake on his reaction to the backlash backlash that he received since um, he was making everything clear and that he was still upset about the choice to pretty much take the big stage by himself. He didn't address um, what happened with Jenna Jackson. And ultimately, she felt like he should have had somebody by his side when he was performing. So anyways, it looked like Justin Timberlake 
would have had an amazing career-changing experience, but instead he received a lot of criticism following his Super Bowl performance. People were not at all happy that he included a purple projection uh, projection of Prince as tribute to the late legend. In addition, the Super Bowl audience also dragged him for being selfish and not having a special guest alongside him on stage for him, not to mention the entire Internet made fun of his woods-like T-shirt he chose to wear. As you remember, like I just stated, what happened in 2004 at the Super Bowl. Um, so the two performed, um, Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z performed, or excuse me, I'm tripping, Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson performed and he pulled the shirt off. So oh, overall, this, I feel like this has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but Wendy Williams overall, she was just slamming him. It was That was so short. I feel like it was just... It should have been more there, but it wasn't. She just kind of ranted along about Justin Timberlake, and then the article started talking about him and Janet Jackson. It's just weird. But um, Justin Timberlake, he also revealed that nothing more but a wardrobe malfunction happened. Um, and so, you know, he's feeling a little upset that people are making fun of him. Jen, what did you take from that? Uh, well, you all know that I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Even though I, like, had a Super Bowl party. It wasn't really so Super Bowl party, but I just had people, like, <laughs> my homies over, you know, we chilled. Super Bowl plays in the background, but nobody's really paying attention because we didn't really care. Um, I'm also not here for Justin Timberlake, you know, as far as, especially since last year, I am kind of upset with him because I feel like Justin Timberlake is somebody who, you know, black people kind of have accepted him, and they looked at him as like he's part of the cook. We invited him to the cookout. You know, he sings like a black person. You know, he can dance, blah, 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 all that bullshit. You know how you niggas like to do. Invite everybody but your own people. If they too dark, into the room. Um, but it's, it was just like, no. Like, you know, his his whole answer to as far as Trump and you know, being all lives matters on a lot of situations. He never apologized to Jenna Jackson. You know, he didn't invite Jenna Jackson. Prince did not fuck with him, and he did a, a Prince tribute, even though I can understand because he was in Minneapolis, which is Prince's hometown. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's just – and then for him to be so willing to, when Jay-Z turned down the performance, to be like, oh, yeah, I got it. It's fine. That has nothing to do with me. It's just like, okay, yeah, no. Like, I don't fuck with you. We don't fuck with you. If you niggas fuck with him, go ahead. Go ahead. But it's just like, <laughs> that's the kind of person that it's just like, to me, that has showed us in the last year. You know, it's it's some white people out here who, who fly under the radar. They'll, they'll pretend to be cool with you, but at the end of the day, they still want to have that superiority. And they know there is a difference. And to me, Justin Timberlake is that, you know? I, I don't know how to explain Wait, it. so why, why are you so mad right now? I'm, I'm not mad. I'm, I just feel like I just don't fuck with him. Like, I don't. I feel like he, to me, to be more like, for instance, Bruno Mars, who isn't quote-unquote black, you know, he's Puerto Rican and Filipino, he has accepted his blackness as a Puerto Rican, you know what I'm saying? But to me, I feel like he is somebody who represents the community well. You know what I'm saying? And you know, he knows that he's singing black music. He knows that, you know, where it comes from, it wasn't of his people. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? But at the same mm-hmm. time, he still homage. You know, he came out and said next year the 
uh, Super Bowl is going to be in Atlanta. There needs to be hip-hop artists performing. You know what I'm saying? It needs to be some sort of tribute. Like, for him to do little shit like that, he's always paid homage. And I, and I believe that's why black people fuck with him. Even woke black people fuck with Bruno Mars. You know what I'm saying? And to me, just Timberlake has not done this. You know, he he's kind of Iggy Azalea, but because he's a white man. <laughs> y'all niggas excuse it. You know, they gave they gave Iggy, Iggy Azalea a hard time, but essentially he's doing the same shit. He's singing y'all music acting like he came up with it, just like Iggy Azalea was doing. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, I can't fuck with him. If, if you like him, go ahead. But it's just like he's done. He's, you know, him and H&M is done, you know. As far as <laughs> oh, my God. Just completely out the circle? Just completely yeah. out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you hear that they're closing like 100 stores, too? I'm so excited about that. Yes, yeah, I did hear that. That's so bad for them. Too bad, so sad. reparations. That's what's sad. <laughs> that sold like five or four trillion dollars, and we're still not. That's what's fucking sad, and we're still suffering. That's what's sad. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you what did you take from it? Well, I didn't take like as much as you took from it. I just was thinking, okay, you know, Justin Timberlake. Uh, it's the way he wanted to perform by himself, like. He know a whole lot of people don't like him, so you know he just didn't want no static on stage. Okay. And and I don't know. I still listen to like one of his songs. Still, you know, it's the one that's before Beyonce to the end of time. So I don't really have any beef with Justin Timberlake. I don't really, and I don't know. I feel like that was a kind of a setup. Like yeah, it seemed like it was. Not a setup in a in a way, but you know the whole boo, you know, like are you kidding me? Like I had you naked by the end of this song, boo, like really, like you guys think that was just all fraud? Like, like I don't know. <laughs> you like he still ain't apologized to Janet Jackson? Like okay, but I definitely think that they rehearsed that like twenty five times before, you know. <laughs> and they got like fine the 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 station got fined like five hundred thousand dollars. But they ended up, you know, throwing the case out because Janet Jackson was pretending like she didn't know. Girl, you knew. Yeah. Anyway. She knew her city was going to be ripped off at fine time. And really? At the perfect time? Have you naked by the end of this song? Like, right then and there? You just thought it was just some type of accident? Maybe she thought like a bra or something. I don't think she thought her whole city was going to come off. You know, maybe let's talk about that. Like, so, Janet, what happened? Was that supposed to be some sort of collection? <laughs> you know, what was going on? Like, what was really going on? What was really going on? Please tell tell us the tea. Like, we want to know. <laughs> you done. All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic. Absolutely. Next topic. Music legend Quincy Jones is making headlines today for an in-depth interview with Vulture. During the exclusive Q&A, Jones suggests that his longtime friend and legendary actor Marlon Brando may have slept with James Baldwin, Richard Pryor, and also Marvin Gaye. Um, In the excerpt of the interview, it reads, Brando used to go cha-cha dancing with us. He could dance his ass off. 
He was the most charming motherfucker you ever met. He fucked anything, anything. He fucked a mailbox, James Baldwin, Richard Pryor, Marvin Gaye. <laughs> but with them, Jones frowned and responded, come on, man. He did not give a fuck. You like Brazilian music? <laughs> so, what did you <laughs> oh, okay. Well, first of all, he went cha-cha dancing. This is the same interview where he says, uh, Quincy Jones says he has 22 girlfriends and that he also dated Ivanka Trump. Oh, yeah, I did hear about this. Yeah. I think mean, he's just kind of losing his mind a little bit. You know, yeah. just withering away slowly but surely. Or maybe he just want to be, you know... For all the old audience, you know, people who care about that stuff, you know, our parents, you know, maybe they start, oh, but what's what's going on? What happened? That's Quincy, you know what? Like, you know, they're gonna get excited about it. They're trying to get the elderly excited, you know. They're like in their fifties now, so you know, trying to reach out. That's that's their target audience. So I don't feel any way about it. I'm like, okay, I don't care about who we slept with. Like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, they all, hopefully, they all were single at the time. And, you know, we part of Holly Weird, not saying that that's weird. You know, bisexuality <laughs> is a normal thing. I just feel like a lot of people don't speak about it. You know, we've talked about it on the show a million times. I, in my opinion, I feel like everyone has some sort of like curiosity, bisexuality, whatever may have you in them, but a lot of people don't act on it, you know. And um, like his wife was saying, uh, Richard Pryor, wife, or she was like, she doesn't doubt it. It was the 80s, you know. When you, If you did enough cocaine, you'll fuck anybody, you know. So <laughs> I, you know, them being up, you know, being with someone that's powerful, I do believe a lot of times someone that is you know, wealthy and famous, they have more pull than a normal person would, you know. You being, if you became super successful and, and famous, you probably could fuck any girl, Angelica Vondrina. I'm not saying that that's something what? you want to do, and I hope that's something you want to do. <laughs> like, but I, I mean, I wouldn't that because I feel like that's if, if I became rich and famous, that's the only way? No, I, I'm just saying a lot of times that's but, okay, say for instance, and I shouldn't be talking about this. I shouldn't be talking about this on air. But you all know I work for hospitality. And we had uh, an A-list celebrity come in. And he came and he was hanging out and chilling and stuff What's like that. What's his name, Because I shouldn't even be, you know, because we have to sign NDAs and shit, so I shouldn't even talk about this on air. But, um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, when he came in, you would think that it was just women being groupies. You had niggas, men, straight men, being like, "Oh, where's so and so at?" Staring at him. <laughs> it's like, and I would, I would joke. I'd be like, "I bet you if that nigga wants to fuck you, you would let him fuck." Like, like seriously, like, why do you care? Like, why do you care right now? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's when you have that sort of power, that sort of affluence. And good looks on top of it, Marlon Brando was a very attractive man in his heyday. I'm sure he could fuck. I'm sure he did fuck anything. You know, so it's, it's not. <laughs> Ultimately. Yeah. I just want to say, why is Quincy Jones spilling all the tea stuff? Uh, what what happened with Tupac saying that you wanted him to fuck you? What, why you ain't said shit about 
Do you remember that when Tupac said that in the interview and he was like, uh, Hollywood is weird, Quincy Jones asked me to fuck him? Do you remember that shit? No, I do not. Oh, well, that's some real shit. He ain't talking about that now. He want to spill everybody else's tea. Where's your tea at? You was hanging out with these <laughs> niggas while they were fucking. What was you doing? What was you doing? <laughs> Um, yeah, you, you, you got a point. What was you doing? <laughs> but now, now that you're hearing all these stories come out after, you know, after the fact, it's true. And he probably just mad, like, you know, one of them stopped fucking around with him. So, you know. Right. Maybe that's why he's mad. <laughs> I don't know. All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic. According to Complex.com, apparently Faison Love has a few more things to get off his chest about Dave Chappelle during his most recent interview with The Breakfast Club Monday morning. The fellow comedian was taking shots at Dave Chappelle earlier this week on Sway in the morning, but it looks like he wasn't finished making his point yet. Love tried to convince Charlemagne and the company that Charlemagne, or that the Chappelle show, is mostly just a combination of Charlie Murphy's writing and white people embracing him. When it comes down to love, he thinks he's all right, but he ain't real. Man, it's a bold claim to make about the so-called comedy of king, king of comedy, but love thinks that Chappelle's $60 million Netflix special and the iconic routines that Dave Chappelle, his show, um, was, it just didn't qualify as for him to be a king. During an interview on The Breakfast Club, Love explained um, and talked about his initial state, his initial statement and even went so far as making the claim that white people built Dave Chappelle and that his success is simply a, a byproduct of the fact that Netflix fucked with him. He did Chappelle, he did give Dave Chappelle a little bit of props in between discrediting his comedic ability to say that, you know, his last special was funny, but only his bit about Kevin Hart. He said the rest of it was bullshit. That's what y'all paying money for? Okay, so he almost said something a little nice about Dave Chappelle. But throughout the rest of the interview, um, Love offered his take on Netflix news relationship with Hollywood. He talked about Donald Trump and some questionable comments and fallouts from the Me Too movement, but that was pretty much it. Um... John, what did you think about Faison Love and how did you hear the interview first of all? Yeah, I did watch the entire interview. You know, I love the Breakfast Club, so I'll be watching anybody. And, you know, I thought <laughs> Love. I thought he was hilarious. You know. Yeah, um, he and me dying too. Yeah, um, and I did understand where he was coming from because it's funny because uh, one of my relatives actually posted something on Facebook talking about it, and they were saying he's bitter. You know, and. To me, it was just like I could see him being bitter, but also I understood where he was coming from. When he had said, when you think about comedians that we call kings, you know, they have sets that are relatable. They have sets that, that we know verbatim. You know, if, if you, like he brought up Eddie Murphy, you know what I'm saying, he brought, he brought up Kevin Hart. He, you know, and it's like all these, your favorite comedians, you remember certain lines they said in their act. You know, and I was trying to think about it. And I'm like, okay, we have a Chappelle show. Because he had Charlemagne. Charlemagne was like, well, what about so-and-so? And he was like, well, first off, he had um, well, Eddie Murphy's brother. I forgot his name. That Charlie Murphy, I'm sorry, because he passed, you know, rest in peace. Um, but he had Charlie Murphy helping him. And then also it's just like 
as far as his stand-up, do you know, do you remember anything verbatim that he said that was hilarious? I do agree that his stand-up is hilarious, and it is some funny parts, but I don't remember it being as gut-busting, any of his stand-up being as, like, the same how it felt when you I was You talking about Dave Chappelle? I, I don't think I've seen anything from him besides the Dave Chappelle show. Well, no, he has, um, he has two, he has two, actually three. I think he has three stand-ups on, um, Netflix right now. He also goes to Death Comedy Jam. Um, and you could also, like, Google clips and shit on YouTube, you know, and I just don't remember anything, like, sticking with me that I felt was, like, <laughs> all right, hilarious. You know what I'm saying? And it was just, like, he also said that white people built Dave Chappelle, and I didn't agree with that because I feel like he's accepted by all, all audience, but I do agree that white humor is a little different from black humor, and I'm like, well, maybe that's why I don't think his stuff is, like, super hilarious because a lot of stuff that white people find funny, I don't really find funny and vice versa. You get what I'm saying? But <laughs> like, when you think about um, Kevin Hart, you know, you could quote, or um, Cat Williams, or um, Mike Epps or some more or Cedric the Entertainer like or Bernie Mac like you remember shit from their set like you you remember catchphrases you you remember like you you could say all the lines verbatim I I don't have that same appeal with with Dave Chappelle's stand up you know and I do think he's a genius I, you know I think he's he's a king but it was just like when it came to that I had to agree you know I understood where he was coming from. You know, why is this man getting all this praise and he's not as funny, but it's like maybe he works harder. <laughs> I don't I don't know. What did you take from this? Um I just thought that it was a, uh, I thought it was interesting. I don't really like see I haven't seen any of like the com comedy shows or anything. As much as I love comedy you know, I haven't really seen, like, a whole lot of them. I've seen, like, a lot of the old ones and then seen, like, the same ones keep coming on and stuff like that. So I haven't watched, and I don't have Netflix either. So I haven't watched, like, any of Dave Chappelle stuff. So maybe, like, if I had watched it, I would be able to, like, give a better, you know, thought on my feelings on this. But I don't really know because I haven't seen it. You know, only thing I've seen is, like, the Dave Chappelle show. So, like, and that's it. <laughs> so, I mean, that shit's funny. But other than that, yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion right now. I would have to watch it and then give my opinion after that. But $60 million, that's a whole lot. So, And like you said, too, white comedy and black comedy is definitely different. I remember being at work one time, and um, my supervisor, she called all of us over. She was like, guys, come here and look at this. And I'm like, oh, like what? Like that. So I'm coming over, we all looking over. <laughs> I'm coming over, and I'm, all, I'm, I'm coming over, and... She's uh she's watching this this little video or whatever and this is like man with like a beer in his hand and he's like skiing or something and he keeps like falling in the water with the beer and but he's saving the beer and they're just cracking up and I'm like looking like why are you guys laughing this is stupid like <laughs> like why are you even watching this on 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 the clock right now what are you doing like this is dumb you caught me over for this so yeah I, it's definitely different. <laughs> But, yeah, I have to see it. I don't know. That's pretty much it. <laughs> you have anything else to say, Shem, before we move on to the next topic? Well, to the doll. Let's move on to that last topic. All right. All right. 
According to BeLiveTV.com in a recent interview, Haitian Jack details the quad studio shooting, saying that another man was shot along with Tupac. When asked if he knew anybody from Queensbridge, Haitian Jack said no, besides the rapper Nas. He then reveals that the man who got shot with Tupac that night might have actually been from Queensbridge. They left him on the floor for dead and took Pac in the elevator and left him on the floor, uh, said Haitian Jack. They act like they don't even care about him getting shot. That's how the world is, he continued. The man who's allegedly named Freddie Nichols might have been an artist, but Haitian Jack stated that he was unsure about the victim's occupation. Were you able to watch this interview at all? No, I wasn't able to watch it. Um, I just got really busy. Sorry, guys. I don't know. Did you see the Tupac movie, or are you familiar with Haitian Jack? No, I didn't see the Tupac movie, and I'm not familiar. <laughs> okay. I'm just wondering how he knows so much information. Huh? You said what? I said, I'm just wondering how he knows so much information. Well, Haitian Jack, he was like this big-time drug dealer um, in the 90s, well, allegedly. Um, and also, he just had a lot of connections. He was friends with a lot of celebrities. He dated uh, Bill Cox, um, you know, and and he was just one of, like, the movers and shakers. But a lot of times, like, I feel like the industry niggas, they were afraid of him. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't really fuck with him. They were kind of warning Tupac to not fuck with him. But Tupac wanted that bad boy image, so he still did. And um, I want to say that this, was um, this was after Tupac got accused of the rape um, situation? So um, Tupac was accused of rape, but it but what they alleged is that Tupac was not involved. You know, the girl was there and she got ran a train on by Asian Jack and like his boys and and all that. And so after that, Tupac stopped fucking with him, and you know was blabbing and running his mouth and, you know, talking shit. And so what Tupac, uh, I mean, what Haitian Jack alleges in another interview that I saw, because he was also on um, the show with Soledad O'Brien and um, IT, I can't remember, but we talked about it on the show where they tried to pinpoint who actually killed Tupac and who killed mm-hmm. Biggie. But, um, but what he was saying was it was just two niggas that fucked with Haitian Jack trying to prove a point. Um, is who ultimately shot Tupac. But also, what they're saying is, and this was not in the interview, that Tupac shot himself, you know, and that's how the whole thing took place. So, I mean, I don't really know. It's all hearsay. This was years ago. Um, but I do think it's kind of fucked up that, you know, <laughs> there's a whole other man that with Tupac and everybody was like, damn, what about Tupac? Man, is he okay? And nobody gave right. a fuck about this stuff. You know, so. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, it, it was really interesting, you know. Um, but yeah, um, Haitian Jack, I do believe he got deported to um, Haiti, but then he moved to the Dominican Republic because, you know, they like, this the same island, they just rivers across from each other. And um Yeah. But I don't know. Mm. Well, only time will tell, Jen. Only time will tell. <laughs> All right, guys, you're going to go ahead and move into that confession question of the day. Okay. 
Okay, y'all. So if, you know, let's, I'm just going to use an example. If your sister or your brother had did something absolutely horrible and, you know, they got this man fired from his job for no reason at all and you guys knew that, you know, they just did it just to be spiteful, would you tell, like, your parents or the teacher or would you keep that, like, a secret between y'all? Now, that's on the low end. So we're going to go on the low end first, and I'm going to have a, a, a better one afterwards. So, Jen, what do you feel about that question? Um, I think you're talking it, about one of your sisters. Huh? You're talking about one of your sisters. If it was one of my sisters lying on somebody and uh, it was ruining this person's life, then I think I would stand up and tell the truth. You know, if I knew that she was verbatim lying because it's just like how, who are you to, you know, take someone's livelihood away? Then I don't think it's fair, blood or not, you know, you're in the wrong. Thank God I don't have shite ass sisters like that. That would be <laughs> shit like Right, right. I, I definitely would tell, you know. I, I definitely yeah. would. I, I can't stand. I can't stand by somebody, you know. Because what if that was me, you know, somebody lying on me, you know? I would want to, for them, for their relatives or whoever close to them that know the situation to stand up and speak the truth. So I, I mean, I would have to do the same, you know. It's not yeah. right. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My little, my little sister already, you know. I'm not gonna say those things. I'm going to be straight. Mom, um, well, I didn't talk to you about something. So, Angelina told me that she, uh, yes, I am not playing. <laughs> straight telling. Because I don't want you to, you know what I'm saying, get inside a worse situation, too. Like, you up there, you know, getting people fired and shit from their job. Karma is crazy. It's going to come back. You know, not only that, but, like, you can get in trouble yourself for putting this man in a situation depending on what the lie was. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can be even bigger consequences. So, yeah, I'm telling before I get out of hand, you know, no one wants that to happen. So, okay, we're going to ask this in another way on the high engine. So, if this was your man, okay, and he got somebody locked up for, I don't know, stealing. Like, he wasn't sure it was the actual guy, but he thought it was. And he put, ended up putting somebody in jail, and then, like, he came back, like, you know, it really wasn't that person. I just didn't know. I was nervous. Like, what would you do? Uh, it is like, like three years, three years down the line. <laughs> I would be upset with him, and then also I would have to tell him, like, look, you got to come forward and tell the truth, you know, because this person. What do you mean? Like, it, it was our, it's three, it was three years ago, so it doesn't matter anymore. He's probably in jail, getting beat up. Like, he's fine. That that. Definitely means that he's not fine if he's in jail being beat up. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I just can't. I just can't support that. I can't support that. That to me, that's evil shit. Like that's you know, that's not cool, man. At all. At all. <laughs> Uh, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, shit, that shit was three years ago. Not just one. <laughs> I, I'm, <excited> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would be like, what? Like, we don't have to do something about this. Because somebody's in jail. Like, I can't believe you waited three years to even reveal this. Why did you tell me about it? Like, I don't, 
I don't want to hear about it. Now it's like the police come to the house. I'm going to have to, uh, start, I'm going to be freaking out. Like, what does that ask me to take a lie detector test or something? Just <laughs> stupid. But anyway, so, I think that would be crazy. Don't you? You said what? I said, I think that would be crazy, don't you? I do. I do. I think that would be very crazy. <laughs> that would not be cool at all. <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> yeah, so I think so. Overall, guys, you know, the question would you, you know, feel bad for putting somebody in a situation, you know, that they shouldn't be in by telling them one of your loved ones? So I think that it's, it's, it's good to say that me and Young both agree. Like, you know, tell the truth, even if it's your loved one, your sister, or, you know, your girlfriend or your man. You know, tell. <laughs> tell them. All right, so guys, we're going to go into the last part of our show, and I'm going to just have, i got a fun fact for you guys um, as far as love confessing this evening. So last, last week, um, we talked about um, National Black History Week, Black History, well, Black History Month, but I also mentioned that there was Halloween um, Black, well, that we had a Black History Week, and I just wanted to kind of go in on that. Um, but before I go in on that, I'm gonna let Jun do his his Black History facts first. Jun, go ahead. So, you all know every episode we want to recognize somebody that's popping uh, for Black History Month, a Black person, not necessarily somebody that has, um, you know, like not the typical like Martin Luther King, because we we know about them. We just want to talk about people that are like alive and doing well and, you know, and being pioneers in their um, industry. So who I want to give a black history shout-out to is Mrs. Claire Theobon Summers. Uh, she's a writer and editor based in New York City. Her editorial work, which focuses on fashion, beauty, and health, has appeared in Real Simple, Newsweek, New York, and Essence magazine, and on the website of Paris and Italian Vogue. In August 2006, Claire founded the blog, The Fashion Bomb, that I hope you all do follow. She also has The Fashion Bomb Africa, a daily destination for multicultural fashionistas. Uh, from celebrity style to fashion news, trend reports to street style, the blog delivers fresh, engaging content from an informed point of view. With 2.4 monthly visitors, The Fashion Bomb made Ebony Magazine's 2011 Power 100 list. While Claire was named Black Blogger of the Month by Black Enterprise, it was dubbed Blogger of the Moment by Team Vogue. The Fashion Bomb won judges' votes for Best Fashion and Style Blogger in 2009, Black Web Blogger Awards, and made the list for Signature 9, 99 Most Influential Style Blogs. In June 2012, Claire won Blogger of the Year in 2012, Blogger of the Year of Color in 2012 as well. And uh, she's well-respected in the industry. The Fashion Bomb has been uh, referenced in New York Magazine, featured in Glamour, and quoted in Time. Uh, Claire is a regular contributor to InStyle.com and Vogue in Italy. Claire also has a bachelor's and magna cum laude with highest honors in Romance, Languages, and Literature and African American Studies from the Harvard University. And that's who I'm going to give my Black History Month shout-out to, Ms. Claire Summers. I've been following her since um, she appeared on The Breakfast Club. 
and um, that's actually my, I feel like I've heard of um, the fashion, but the fashion bomb or fashion daily. Um, but I didn't for some reason I didn't know that it's a black woman. And then when I found out that was her, I followed them. And also I follow Fashion Bomb Africa, which is like dope as fuck. It's so much, so many beautiful garments, and you know. And I think it's dope that she um, she gives the outlet to everyone, not just you know typical A list white girls. You know, it's just like you know our people is on their pop, and then she's showing like their style transformations, and you know I, I think it's really dope. Um, so you all should definitely check it out. But yeah, but I go agree. ahead with your uh, question I- or. Not <laughs> I agree. That sounds like something lovely to check out. I had no idea, so thank you for that. That was that was cool. I love it. Um, so all you, as you all know, Black History Month first originated as part of an initiative by writer and educator Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who launched Negro History Week in 1926. Woodson proclaimed that Negro History Week should always occur the second week of February between Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Today, other countries such as Canada and the United Kingdom also devote the entire month to celebrating black history. You guys, just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening this evening. If Jen has nothing else to say, then we're going to go ahead and tune on out. Now, you know I ain't got nothing else to say, so why are you asking? <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Well, thank you all for listening. You can expect to hear from us next on Sunday, February 11th, at the same time, 6:30 Central, 7:30 Eastern. We want to hear from you, so if you guys want to holler at us, contact us at confession the number two us at gmail.com. This is your host Angel Vandrina. and I'm your host Jeff and you're listening to the one and the only Confession. That's it. Good night, babe. Good night, monkey. You can't say that no more. <laughs>